0: to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Valeria interviews Tracy Walder the author of The Unexpected Spy, My Secret Life Chasing Down Some of the World's Most Notorious Terrorists. Tracy worked as a Staff Operations Officer, S.O.O., Intelligence Agency's Counterterrorism Center Weapons of Mass Destruction Group, and a Special Agent at the FBI. During her time at the CIA, Tracy traveled to war zones and many other countries— Tracy received many awards for her service from both the CIA and from foreign intelligence offices to include the Counterterrorism Medal and multiple Exceptional Performance Awards. After the CIA, Tracy became a special agent at the FBI's Los Angeles field office specializing in Chinese counterintelligence operations. Following her time at the CIA and FBI, Tracy enrolled in both a master's and a teaching credential program, She taught history and a self-created course on national security and foreign policy for over a decade. Tracy now works as an author, adjunct professor of criminal justice at Texas Christian University and sits on the board of directors of Girl Security, a nonpartisan organization increasing the representation of women in national security by building a pipeline for girls and young women through learning, training, and mentoring support. She has appeared on Good Morning America and Fox News and has written national security pieces for Salon, The New York Post, Huffington Post, and other publications. Tracy Walder earned her degree in history from the University of Southern California and her master's in education from Chapman University. The Unexpected Spy was an audiobook bestseller. Since its release, it has been translated into Portuguese and Korean. Additionally, ABC Network and Studio, in conjunction with Calamity Jane and Timberman slash Beverly Production Companies, to create a TV series based on her book. Meet Tracy at TracyWalder.com. Here is the interview with Tracy Walder. In your own words,
0: who is Tracy Walder?
2: I think Tracy Walder is uh, tenacious. Um, has a strong moral compass um, and is not afraid to take risks.
0: Mm, I love that. (laughs) So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, The Unexpected Spy, From the CIA to the FBI, My Secret Life Taking Down Some of the World's Most Notorious Terrorists, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. So the first one is, what is your own definition of courage?
2: My own definition of courage is doing what is truly right and not doing what everyone else thinks is right. To me, that's, that's the true definition of courage.
0: That's interesting about this topic of right and wrong, right? It's so personal in so many ways. I have three questions for you about life itself. What is life to you? Not what life is about, but what is life itself?
2: That's a hard question. Um, (laughs) Life to me is just sort of one big journey to find answers to questions that you have.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an adventure of answering questions. (laughs) So true. That's the reason I love questions. My other question related to life is, what do you think is the opposite of life?
2: To me, the opposite of life is ignorance.
0: Yeah. And what would that be? Ignorance, as an example.
2: Ignorance, to me, would be never wanting to meet people who are different than you, never wanting to have experiences that are different than your own. To me, that's not living life.
0: And that makes me think about courage
2: again. (laughs) Yes. Having
0: that courage, the heart to just meet life on its own terms as it comes, right? And my other question about life is, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience?
2: I think the purpose of the human experience is to make for the next generation things better than they were for us. And that means our next generation of children, our next generation of businesses, our next generation of everything to leave it sort of better than how we found it.
0: Mm, I love that, Tracy. Yeah, I agree. And I'll be exploring that more in a moment. (laughs) How can we do that? (laughs) Make this world a better place for all of us, right? And the next human beings to come. What does it mean to be a woman to you?
2: To me, being a woman is freeing but sometimes confining. Um, it's sort of this weird dichotomy.
0: So I'll ask you two more specific questions. What do you love the most about being a woman?
2: What I love the most about being a woman? Yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of things. I think the first one is, I guess, more tangible in nature, which is I'm a very feminine person. So I, I like the femininity um, associated with being a woman. I love that aspect. But I also like Some of the, I guess, soft skills that I think women have more of, which is sort of empathy, listening, seeing things from kind of a 360 perspective. Um, So those would be more sort of the non-tangible skills. So in a way, you're saying that we
0: have some traits that men don't have. comes more natural to us, these traits.
2: I believe so. It's not that I think we're better. I think we're the same, but I think both genders have things that are indicative to that specific gender or sex.
0: Yeah, I agree. Do you think that some careers, some positions, they are a better fit for men than women?
2: No, hmm. I don't. I think um, particularly because of the, the industries that I was in, yeah. um, I think that those are sometimes myths that have been perpetuated, uh, you know, by society for quite some time. And I think men and women both bring things to the table in various positions that are beneficial.
0: So you believe that we can actually occupy any position. I do. That there is, <laughs> there's no such a thing as um, some things being better for men or for women. Yeah, that's such an interesting subject because I see a lot of women who choose more nurturing careers, like being a nurse, a school teacher. Authors, perhaps, too, people who write about compassion, love, and all these soft, beautiful topics. So, in a way, we are more flexible in a way than men are. They can do that too, but doesn't seem to come naturally to them.
2: I think part of the issue is that you know, you've had a long time where you know, men and women were not, you know, women didn't even have the right to vote. Um, and so Typically, I guess dangerous jobs, uh, law enforcement, those kinds of things, uh, were viewed as what's called man's work. But I think that that's just a confine that's been placed on there by by society.
0: That's amazing to hear this from you because you've been in situations which we could judge as a man's world, a man's job. (laughs) And you're saying that that's not true, that we can do that too. We can be soft, we can be loving, kind, vulnerable, and we can be tough. And we can be smart, we can discern, and we can think when we have to. I think so. Mm, That's wonderful to be in your presence. (laughs) Yeah, I never met any woman who have occupied that kind of position.
2: And I am. And I think that's, I guess, maybe the biggest problem, um, you know, surrounding women getting into, um, and you're, you're correct, you know, in, in these typically male dominated jobs is that women can be acceptable, but they have to be masculine to be acceptable. Mm, yeah, And I think that's a problem um, because again, in a way that narrative is making women feel like those are not careers for them if they're feminine. And I don't think, I still think you can be feminine and, and be tough. I don't, I don't think the two are necessarily separate.
0: Wow, I love to hear that. And that's so true about women who choose high profile careers and they are around men. You see that they dress differently. They look differently. They don't have long hair. They don't use a lot of makeup and they're trying to fit.
2: And certainly not all of them are, you know, I don't want to group everyone together. But I do think that it's expected that they sort of be a certain way to please those who think that this is sort of a man's job.
0: Wow. Do you think
2: this is changing at this time? I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's hard to know for certain. Um, I think the FBI, where I had worked, is, is still only about 20 to 25 percent women, So, you know, I I truly, I hope it's changing. I know a lot of those types of jobs and their recruiting efforts are trying to recruit more women. So I think that's great. I hope it continues, but it's hard to say for certain.
0: Yes, you're right. We should not expect the change from them, from institutions and the government and all that. I think we women oh we need to change in the sense like what you just spoke about women trying to fit and behave like men, some of them, not all of them. So we need to change in
2: that sense. Well, and it's it's perfectly okay to be a masculine female. I I don't have a problem with that, but I do think it's just about being authentic though to who you are. If you're a feminine female, be a feminine female. If you're, you know, masculine female, be a masculine female. I don't necessarily see a problem, um, but just be true to who you are.
0: Mm, If you're being true, I love how clear you are on these (laughs) topics. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. True. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman from your perspective?
2: Sometimes I think it's constantly having to prove yourself or work harder. Not that I don't want to work hard. Of course, I want to work hard. But I think sometimes... That can be an
0: issue. As a woman, I feel that I work harder (laughs) than my husband. (laughs) Like we need to work harder to be successful in many ways than men do. I think so. Yeah, how interesting. My next warm-up question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free?
2: What does it mean to be free? I think what it means to be free is to, for me, is to be free from, from judgment. That's how, how I view freedom. But I know people have different opinions on that. Yeah. <laughs> judging ourselves
0: or judging others?
2: I think judging ourselves and others.
0: Both. Yes. Mm. Which one do you think is harder and more challenging?
2: <laughs> I think it's we judge ourselves probably more. I think people can easily judge. I don't know.
0: <laughs> to me, it feels like if we judge ourselves, then it makes sense to judge others. Got to come right from that place that mm-hmm. if we are used to judge ourselves, then we will easily judge others. And my next question is about the current situation. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a
2: vision for a new reality? Oh my gosh, it's a hard, a good and hard question. Um, mm-hmm. I think probably the world's greatest need is this is going to sound terrible, but um, more women in positions of power. Is that also your vision for a new world, a new reality? I think so. I think a lot of women recently, you know, women who are prime ministers, presidents, chancellors, whatever, um, have really shown really effective, really phenomenal leadership. Um, and I think, you know, it's just a, such a small portion of women who who rule countries. Um, I think if we had more, Um, We may not have found ourselves in some of the situations that we're in because we bring different skill sets to the table. Mm, I I agree. Do you think this is changing?
0: I guess that's the same question I asked earlier for a different topic, but
2: yeah. I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. I want to believe that it's changing, but I actually, I, I don't necessarily think that it is. And
0: my next warm-up question is about love. What is love to you, Tracy?
2: Love, I guess, would just be having an open heart.
0: Can you tell me what are the signs when we are living as such with an open heart? What would that look like?
2: I think, you know, kind of to touch back on what I had said before, the idea of of. And this will never happen, but, you know, freedom of freedom from judgment, excuse me, um, and freedom of judging other people Um, to me to to truly love other people or to love life. um, You have to kind of free yourself from that and preconceived notions and all those thoughts and feelings that come with them, I think, can kind of cloud your heart a little bit. So, so true.
0: That makes me think about unconditional love. Do you believe in
2: unconditional self love? Um. Yes. I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> um, but but yes. I, I mean, it's obviously feasible. Um, right. But I'm I'm certainly not there yet. Um, I wish I could be, but I think I get there more every year, every day, every week. But I'm definitely not there yet. <laughs> Yeah, I get this
0: answer a lot. And I'm wondering why? What are the obstacles?
2: You know, I think we as a society, right, are, you know, I think about I have a young child. And I think when she was really, really little, she did have unconditional self-love. You know, the whole idea of it's okay to love yourself and think you're awesome. But I think as we get older, we're told not to think or feel those things anymore. And so now, you know, in my 40s, I'm sort of subconscious conscious of that, I guess. So maybe that's a societal problem versus, I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so it's almost like an unlearning practice, right? More than learning to love ourselves unconditionally. It's um, trying to uh, be aware of the obstacles, what have got in the way. And you're right. The opinions of others. Maybe we value the opinions of
2: others more than we value our the opinion own, of self. Right? Um, you know, that's a great question. I don't mm. I don't know. I think maybe we do, um, because we're sort of taught to.
0: Right. <laughs> and also because it's something innate in us, right, Tracy, to want to connect deeply with others and please others.
2: Uh, yes, I, I think women tend to be pleasers, you know, if you will, more so um, than men, for, sh- for sure, absolutely. Yeah,
0: so maybe connect to that. And my next warm-up question is about inner peace. What is your understanding and idea of inner peace?
2: Well, for me, inner peace is, you know, finding what I like to do and doing that. That brings me sort of a sense of calm and peace, but, but that's
0: me. Peace and calm, there are one and the same to you? For me,
2: yes. You know, because I view like a calm brain, um, as mm-hmm. as a peaceful brain. But but that's that's me. Right,
0: right. What, where and who is God to you?
2: I don't know. I'm not a s i am not a very I believe in God. I believe that God is more of this like spiritual being you know, not a a person, and I I believe that there's only one, um, but that's what my faith teaches me, I think, I don't know where God is. I don't think God is a tangible thing. I never have. So I think God is sort of everywhere all the time, um, which I know sounds kind of ridiculous because I know that's not feasible, but I just believe that God is there for every single person.
0: I love that, though. (laughs) And I do believe that God's everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Oh, you do. I believe that. Absolutely. Although I don't connect the idea of God to an entity. It's just this amazing energy of unconditional love.
2: I don't connect God to like an actual being or entity. I never have. But that's very much in line with like my my religious faith, though. So I can't say if that's just how I am or how I've, you know, learned <laughs> my faith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about
0: your work. And my first question had to be this one. How did you become a writer, Tracy?
2: How did I become a writer? Um. So uh, <laughs> the way that I became a writer was that I was really, I tend to be motivated um, by crisis. Uh, I've always been motivated. My parents have always told me, you know, stop complaining. Stop complaining. Do something about it. If you see that there's a problem and you're unhappy with the situation, be a part of the solution. Don't just sort of be part of that uh, in the back nagging group. (laughs) Um, And so I had become frustrated, you know, with with things in 2016 and I decided to start writing, Um, writing, you know, how I thought about things as a woman from a national security perspective you know, from a law enforcement perspective. And it became very cathartic for me, and people were reading it. Um, and so that's when I decided to um, put it down in a book. I have not read the book.
0: So I have some questions here. They're general questions. So hopefully we'll be able to explore. Sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, more of your work. So I'll ask you this question What was the intention of writing your book, The Unexpected Spy?
2: So my intention was I was very frustrated uh, with the narrative surrounding women in America. I was really frustrated that we never saw women, you know, I guess as talking heads, if you will, on TV shows um, for national security. It was always men. And it was really frustrating me. This was, I think, would have been around the time of the Me Too movement. Um, And also I I taught at an all-girls school at the time. And I saw that these women, you know, wanted to go into these careers, the ones that I had been in, but didn't see themselves in them. And so that was really the message I wanted to come out in my book was that no matter who you are, how you present yourself, these are careers that can suit you if that's what you want.
0: What you said earlier we can do anything or at least we can try. <laughs> we should not feel limited because we are women, right? I love that message I and mean, that's one that I really believe in too. Um yeah, that's wonderful. And I'm wondering how do you teach young women to think that way? How do you encourage them? Do you have a program, a course or Yeah,
2: so um about 10-ish years ago, I started a course at the school I used to teach at about national security and foreign policy. And I I did it because the girls had a lot of questions and I had a lot of autonomy in my classroom. And so I said, you know, let's put together a curriculum on this. And it became like the most highly enrolled class. And I think whether the girls went into these careers or not they at least went in with a global perspective to whatever career it was that they went into. Um, and, you know, I'd break up my class. We'd talk about domestic terrorism, international terrorism, technological careers within there, you know, all just different kinds of things. And, and then this year I'm teaching a course on um, women in law enforcement um, and criminal justice. So I think making classes for women that women feel comfortable in, exploring these careers is sort of, one thing that I've tried to do to get that message out there.
0: That sounds wonderful to me. I'm wondering if there are some specific traits that these women must have in order to succeed in these careers, though.
2: I think it depends on the career. Um, You know, CIA is a law, uh, excuse me, an intelligence gathering organization um, and FBI is a, is a law enforcement organization. So I personally feel that those are two different traits that they would be looking for within the hiring process. I think for the CIA, traits that women uh, bring in that are great are sort of that 360 view of a problem, looking at a problem from kind of all different angles because they gather intelligence. So, you know, what intelligence do you need to fix this problem? Also, you know, critical thinking skills, those kinds of things. I think for law enforcement, um, you know, being a good listener when you're interviewing victims or even perpetrators, um, I think women have those skills um, that men that men just don't have as refined as us.
0: That makes me think about intuition. Do you connect this ability to uh, carefully listen to feelings?
2: I think, yeah, I think my... Um, Intuition is going to sound egotistical, and I don't mean it to. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think my intuition is really, really good. Um, I've been always been told it's really, really good, um, but uh,
0: yes. So yeah, intuition is connected to that. How do you connect to your intuition? How do you know for sure that that is true? What you're feeling, what are you are sensing, is true.
2: I think for me. I've been doing this for so long that I've started to just trust my gut, which sounds very um, corny. I don't mean it to but I think that's for me. I just have a lot of trust in myself and my gut because I've been right most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's, that's really as far as that goes.
0: That leads to self-esteem and self-confidence. And another question I have here is, uh, why did you choose to become a spy?
2: I just had a curiosity about the world around me. I was really curious about the Middle East. I became very interested in in terrorism and why people are terrorists. And so I just decided that the CIA was a place that I could really explore that in.
0: What were the most profound and meaningful things that you have learned from being a CIA and FBI spy?
2: A couple of things. Uh, The first one would be that I think sometimes being American, we tend to think sometimes, you know, we're kind of the be all end all in the world. And I've got a lesson in in the fact that we aren't pretty quickly. I think the idea of being an outsider, I spent a lot of time in Middle Eastern countries where I didn't look. Um, a lot like the people there. And so I think that was a huge, huge thing for me, being kind of this outsider.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's um very interesting perspective, isn't it, Trace? We learn a lot about ourselves by traveling, being around other cultures. Because mm-hmm. we're all humans, we all share the same thing. Like I, I see that when I travel, but I I also see like some differences that they are to me fascinating. <laughs> And I prefer to embrace them as beautiful things, as mysteries of life in a way. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful?
2: To me, um, to be successful is to be fulfilled with what you have done um, and the imprint that you have made um, in the world and how have you made it better. I think that's what success to me. It's not about money. It's really about... What have you done to make the world better?
0: What is your definition of strength?
2: Strength to me means that you've experienced difficult situations, loss, um, all of those kinds of things. um, But you still carry on and look to the future.
0: What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today?
2: I think for me, the hardest lesson is I spent a lot of my life not being very confident with myself um, and who I was. And I wish I had spent less time um, and more time being confident.
0: Tell me about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: (laughs) If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently?
2: The only thing I would have done... um, Like I think I said before, confidence was never my strong suit. And I do wish that I had been more confident much earlier on in life. But other than that, there's really nothing I would have done differently. And my last question, what
0: are three things about life you know for sure?
2: The three things that I know for sure that you can plan all you want, (laughs) but a lot of those plans are never going to come to fruition. The life is totally unpredictable. But that life is really fun.
0: That's an interesting observation about making plans and expecting (laughs) life to be in a certain way. We all do the control factor. Yes. (laughs) So true, Tracy. Thank you so much for your presence, your wisdom, your confidence. (laughs) And you're a lot of fun to talk to. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And my last technical question, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, courses, programs, and projects?
2: Um, so I would go to my website is TracyWalder.com or on Twitter. I'm at Tracy underscore Walder. Um, Or uh, you can buy my book, The Unexpected Spy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, or wherever your local independent bookstore is.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon.
2: Thank you for having me. Good you, Tracy. Bye for now.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Tracy Walder and her work, please visit tracywalder.com.